congregation priest of praise for that wonderful rendition of a beautiful song amen hallelujah all right um so this morning um you're welcome to church today is the last sunday um in our series on mr and mrs better half we've talked about relationships um the things that we need to do to strengthen our marital relationships We've tried to speak to singles. We've, speak, we've spoken a lot um, to the marriage relationship. And I believe that every single person has been blessed tremendously um, from that series. Okay? Um, it's the sixth edition that we have done. Um, if you think that we, there's something you were looking for that you didn't hear, I'm going to advise that you um, check the previous year's Mr. and Mrs. Better Half series. Um, it gets better every year. Um, but we've done very unique things and slant, you know, every single year. So today, to wrap up um, the series, in the third service, we're going to have a vow renewal ceremony for couples who are interested. So if you're here and you think you're still interested to do that, uh, please just show up at, during third service, the vows renewal. Um, today, we're talking about the recipe for bliss, okay? Recipe for bliss. And um, basically, what we're focusing on, all right, is examining um, the things that God has asked us to do the way he has asked us to administratively manage and arrange our homes, all right, in a way that produces order. And you will agree with me that order produces simplicity and beauty. It removes and declutters processes, okay, and also removes complexity. Where you've dealt with complexity, you will understand and find it, find it right, you will realize that it's very easy for things to operate when everybody knows what they need to do, how they should do it, where they should do it, and when they should do it, okay? Um, That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this morning. Lord, we ask for your grace upon this service. We ask for the teaching and the preaching of your word to make an impact in the lives and the heart of every single person present here in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who are joining us via the internet or we're going to experience this at some point or the other, we ask, Father, Lord, the same grace that is upon the services with them wherever they may be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've heard us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. All right, so if you very quickly turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 7, and I'm going to try and read it from two translations, all right? Joel chapter 2, I will read verse 7. And it describes describes a troop, all right? It describes a company of of war men, of warriors, all right, who um, who are on duty. And it sort of describes how they are operating, and then we're going to draw some parallels, all right, from there. Um, to relate to our marriages and marital relationships. So verse 7 says, They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone matches in formation and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Each one, everyone matches in his own column. They, they, though they launch between the weapons, they are not cut down. All right? Uh, I'm going to read that from the message translation. It says, The invaders charge. They climb barricades. Nothing stops them. Each soldier does what he is told. So disciplined, so determined. They don't get in each other's way. Each one knows his job and does it. Undaunted and fearless, unswerving and unstoppable. All right. Um, 
you will agree with me that a lot of times some of the challenges and issues that we have in our marital relationships sometimes result from the fact that we do not stay in line, all right? Um, sometimes either the husband or the wife will get out of line and do something that is not in line with the order that God has created, okay? And God being a very meticulous God who is interested in order, who is interested in the success of everything that he has created, also did not leave us without an understanding of how he expects us to run the family unit. Because he created marriage, he created the family unit, and he pronounced and prescribed very clearly how, from an administrative point of view, our families should run. All right? So please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm sure you agree with me that a lot of times where, when you're looking for something, and it is buried under lots of clutter. And you spend one hour, 30 minutes looking for it. It is because there is a bit of disorderliness in that environment. There's a bit of disorganization in that environment. Okay? And so one standard principle of orderliness is everything should have its place. And there should be a place for everything. Okay? And so if you want to enjoy order, you don't want to run around looking for things all the time. That is what you need to do. Create order. All right? And that is exactly what God has done. Okay? And he has created order for us. However, a lot of times we subject that process or that system to our individual interpretations that then throw things out of order for us. All right? Um, 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 2. It says, I mean from verse 1. It says, now imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. All right, I'm going to read that again. It says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. All right, Um, in the living Bible, that says, I am so glad there, brothers, that you have been remembering and doing everything I taught you. But there is one matter I want to remind you about. That a wife is responsible to her husband, her husband is responsible to Christ, and Christ is responsible to God. Now, I hope that someone hasn't shut down on me and saying that this is going to be um, a women bashing or a men bashing sermon. No, please, just stay with me. And we're all going to see at the end of the day, you know, how this helps us in our homes. Now, again, like I said earlier, God has created specific orders. The way that he wants us to run our families. And the kingdom order is very clearly stated in these verses of scripture that we have read, alright? And it says, number one, that there is Christ at the top. And then there is, there is the man following Christ. And then there is the wife and then the children. That is a specific order. That God has created, all right, for us to run our families by. And so the thing is that the world and secular humanism and a lot of other things have different variations of those things. In some families, there is no Christ. All right? In some families, there is no Christ, so the man is not submitted to anyone. He does whatever he wants to do. He's the alpha and the omega of his family. That is a big recipe for disaster. In some families, the orders, the order is misplaced, is misplaced. All right, and in some families, the children rule. 
Okay? In some families, the children rule. Um, Christ is somewhere at the bottom. The mother and the father, nowhere to be found. In some other families, the woman is on top. Christ is at the bottom. And then there's other different variations of it. But the way that Christ very clearly specifies for us to run our homes is that we have God at the center of everything. We have men who are taking instructions from God who understand the blueprint that God has created for marriage and how the family unit must be run. And then we have women who understand that same process and principle, okay, and both of them working together to run the home and to raise godly children, you know, that will bring praise to the name of Jesus. And so if you love Christ and commit to obeying him, okay, you will find joy in your place and be a blessing to your partner. That is something that is very clear, all right, from the scriptures. That once you stay in the place that God has put you, in the order of things in the home, all right, you will very, very clearly enjoy peace, enjoy harmony in your family. Of course, someone says to me, oh, look, but Pastor Jay, what, why, what are you talking about? So what should I do if, if my wife doesn't do what she's supposed to do? Shouldn't I just then defer to the children? If my husband is absent, is irresponsible, shouldn't I just then take over and run everything by myself? I'm not going to allow this family to run into a shipwreck again. We're going to see that very soon. Okay? So basically, there are two distinct structures that we're supposed to run in our homes. Two very clear and distinct structures. There is first a relational structure. And when I say structures, these are structures of managing our relationships with God. So there is first a relational structure where every single person in the family is connected to God. All of us, we understand that we need to have relationship with Christ. Every single person needs to be saved. Every single person needs to be walking and working at their faith on a daily basis. Um, The man or the woman cannot be the only person who has sole access to God on behalf of the family. No. That is one of the things that causes issues in the society. When you have family units where only one person or just two people know God. So every single person in each family should have direct access to God, building relationships with God, okay? And again, it is the responsibility of the man in the home, all right, to create an environment and facilitate, you know, the, the establishment of this relational structure with God. All right? So it is the responsibility as a leader to make that to happen. Then we go on to the second structure, which is basically the administrative structure that um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, um, Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 20, all right? And also 1 Peter chapter 3, I believe, talks about and describes to us. And that basically says that everyone is equally important, Right? But for the sake of administrative effectiveness, every single person has unique roles and responsibilities in the family. You know, if you had a car that has two drivers, then the journey, whatever journey that that car is going on, is going to end up in chaos. So you have two drivers Two of them are trying to drive at the same time. So, you know, I know, you know that there are um, cars that are used for 
teaching people driving lessons, right? So um, in some instances, they'll have two steering wheels such that the instructor can take over if the learner um, panics or misbehaves and things like that. But just then, imagine a situation where the instructor is trying to drive, turning to the left, okay, and the learner is trying to drive, um, turning to the right. It's going to be a recipe for disaster. And there's also a common saying that says a ship cannot have two captains. One person has to give instructions. I mean, so, again, the same thing in our homes. So, every single person needs to understand their roles and perform those roles to the best of their abilities. So, it will be the same way it will be very ridiculous if the man of the house decides that his wife, they've been married for five years, she has not gotten pregnant and then he wants to try and get pregnant so that God can deliver them from the barrenness or whatever it is. And so he goes to, to, the, he goes to the hospital and says, guys, I'm sorry, my wife has been unable to get pregnant, um, so I want to do IVF. Can you try it on me? How foolish would that sound? Okay, so, so the same way that sounds very ridiculous is the same way that every one of us needs to understand that there is that administrative structure where the man has his role, the woman has his role, I mean, has a role, and everyone is supposed to do what they're supposed to do. Now, it doesn't make one person much more valuable, more important, or superior to the other. It is just that God has created diversity in the home and in the world, and he expects us to walk in that line and walk with that. Okay? All right, so very quickly, um, we're going to run through what it means, you know, um, what, what, this, what, is, what this entails from the side of the man and from the side of the woman. So very clearly we've seen that God has assigned the leadership relationship, I mean the leadership position and responsibility in the home to the man. And so what does it mean when we say that the man is submitted to Christ? I'm going to read that. I'm going to just discuss a few things that shows so that men understand what God expects of them in relationship, in, 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 in relationship to Christ and in fulfilling their destinies as leaders in their homes. So the first thing, the first point about leadership in the home that God has assigned to the man, okay, and the man's submission to Christ, the man's submission to Christ, is that the first thing, the man has a personal relationship with Christ. If a man does not have a personal relationship with Christ, that he is feeding, nurturing, and growing every day, then is a disaster going somewhere to happen. Oh, but someone says, oh, but my grandfather was the um, chief priest of Ifa in our village, and he ran his home very well, so what are you saying, Pastor J? Again, if you have subscribed to the tenets of the scriptures, and you claim to be a believer, then there is no way that you can effectively run your life without being submitted to Christ and maintain a vital connection and relationship with Christ on a daily basis. So that is very important for men. All right, so, um, but the woman says, so, pastor, are you then saying that if my husband is not submitted to Christ, doesn't have a relationship with Christ, then I can go ahead and take over and do stuff? No. The Bible very clearly deals with that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it says very clearly, all right, that if someone were to be in a relationship with an unbelieving spouse, it says, do not leave the relationship. Let your conduct as a follower of Christ, all right, be what will challenge and convince, convict the person to become a follower of Christ. 
both male and female. All right, so the first thing, like we said, is that it starts the relationship with Christ. And so it's not enough to just be born again, you know, to say I gave my life when I was in the university. I was 16 years old. Now I am 41. In the last five years, I haven't um, done a daily devotion. I haven't prayed. And the second thing is this, that your decisions that you make in the process of discharging your responsibility as the head of the family are aligned with the word of God. They are aligned with the word of God. And so very clearly, for you to demand and for you to occupy the place of leadership in your home and expect maximum cooperation from your spouse, from your wife and your children, then you cannot be seen to be leading the family to do things that do not align with the word of God. And so, for example, the way you run your business, you can't be cutting corners at work in your business and your wife knows about it. And then you come home and then you quote to her Ephesians 5 where the Bible has said that wives should submit to their husbands. I mean, that is, that is recipe for chaos. Okay? So every single man must and should, okay, work in such a way and order their lives in such a way that the decision-making process is subject to the will of God as revealed in scriptures. Okay? And then the third thing is that the man takes responsibility for leadership. He takes responsibility for leadership. From time to time, you will come across men who have abdicated leadership responsibility to their wives. And so those sort of men sometimes are just men, I mean, they're just the leaders of the home by title. They haven't worked and earned and demonstrated the capacity for leadership. And there are loads of fantastic men who on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, are demonstrating what sound leadership is for their families. They haven't abdicated the responsibility for providing for the family. They haven't abdicated the responsibility of, of, of raising children, godly children, to their wives or to nannies or to TVs or anything else. They are actively engaged, doing things on a daily basis that shows that they are giving direction in their homes. So vision setting, provision, decision making, they are involved. It doesn't mean that they are tyrants who are dictators and saying this must happen. It's either my way or the highway. But it means that they are taking responsibility for facilitating the conversations that make things happen. Hallelujah. And so, again, the last thing this morning that we're looking at from the point of view of the man is that this man who is submitted to Christ demonstrates love for his spouse. Okay? Now, I'm going to qualify that. Because there are different, numerous definitions of love and expression of love, right? Again, as the Christ loves the church. Let's take a look at that picture of how Christ loves the church in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So there is the giving of himself for her. It, there is a selflessness, all right, to the relationship that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself 
a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. There is a commitment to development, supporting development, development initiatives of the spouse, making sure that somebody gets better. All right? Okay? Verse 28 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever ate at his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Okay? So that is a picture of how Jesus loves the church and how we're husbands, we are expected to love our wives. So it is not the love that slaps her to put her in order when you think that she's wrong. All right? It is not the love that refuses to drop money um, just to prove a point. Okay? So again, we're supposed to be invested in loving our spouses in the way that Christ loves the church. And this love, okay, is not the once and for all, for all love. I told you I loved you six years ago and I... And I mean, I'm not demonstrating again. No, it is continuous demonstration, continuous activities, things done on a daily basis. Even correction is done in love. Hallelujah. So it's very important that men understand this order of relationship. This is how you know a man who is submitted to Christ. Again, remember we've said the administrative structure is that at the top of the family is Christ. Okay, then next comes the man who is submitted to Christ, followed by the woman who is submitted to the woman, and it does not mean that the woman does not have a relationship with Christ, all right, and then followed by their children. Now, single men this morning, hear me. Um, the period before you get married is also a good period for you to begin to demonstrate, cultivate, and demonstrate that you're responsible. Okay? So, you should be able to demonstrate that you are at least responsible for yourself in self-management, self-leadership. Before you then had the responsibility of being responsible for a wife and children as well. And you see, what happens a lot of times these days is we have young men who get into marriage but are slightly subpar at self-development, self-management and self-leadership Another interesting creates a lot of chaos and issues, right? Um, when you get into the home. So, men, this morning, this is the model for us, yeah? And I believe that every single person is encouraged, understands, you know, everybody here this morning understands what it looks like to be a husband and a man who is submitted to Christ in the home. Praise the Lord. All right, so let, let's look again at the next one in the hierarchy of the administrative structure for the home, which is the woman we submitted to our husband. So let's examine what it means, you know, for a woman to be to, to work in submission. Now, submission. Yesterday, when I was um, preparing to, to to preach this message, I typed in the word submission in the Bible um, in Google, and um, there were I saw all sorts of articles, all sorts of things that were defining, describing what submission looks like, what it doesn't look like, you know. And I read um, one article that one man had written, and he said, he said there was one time he had um, counseled with a woman. So his article was describing what submission is not. So he said he was, he counseled, he was, he was counseling a couple um, that had some ma- marital challenges. And the woman said, her husband said to her that, Part of our demonstration of submission is that even when she wants to 
go to the bathroom, she has to ask for his permission. Seriously, I, I read it. I can email you the link if you don't believe me. But I mean, that's what the man wrote in his, in his article, and I, and I don't think he was, was telling it that. I mean, so, so you hear all sorts of different, divergent, crazy, interesting, um, humanist definitions of submission. But we're going to try this morning from the light of scriptures to unpack what submission means, right? And so submission basically means the voluntary yielding, okay, of rights and roles, you know, to someone based on the authority of the role that they occupy. It doesn't mean that the person we're submitting is inferior. It doesn't mean that the person that you have submitted to is, is a superior species. Okay? But what it means is that because of an administrative, I mean, I don't know how many of us have sometimes worked in teams before where the team leader or your manager is clearly one shade less competent than you. There's a big organizational challenge sometimes that we all go through. And, I mean, you can't then say that you're not going to root your work through them. So even when you have a husband, the head of the home, who is incompetent, how do you tend to relate with that? We're going to look at that in about five minutes' time, all right? So first, number one, what submission shows is that you honor your husband and allow him to lead, okay? So we've established the fact that God ceded the role for leadership to the man. Of course, that leadership is not sole responsibility. It doesn't make the family unit a sole proprietorship business. All that it, where you are the alpha and the omega and you do everything. All it means is that one person takes final authority. I mean, the same way that we don't have organizations that have two CEOs or managing directors, right? It's the same way that we can't have that in the unit. And so allowing the man to lead means at least you give him some room to demonstrate and to perform according to the office that he has been given. Now, it doesn't mean that all men have the strength and the abilities, you know, to do everything that is required in leadership in the home. What it basically means is that an effective leader understands his own limitations and knows what to delegate, what to outsource, and where to acquire the skills that might be missing in his, in his ability to perform his roles. So, women, allow your husband to lead. Again, it is not mindless or rote submission. All right? And the next thing is being a consistent support. A consistent support. It means that the role of submission, the role of being support to the husband, is something that happens not just once in a year, not once in a month. It is something that is consistent. There cannot be an abdication of your responsibility. Hallelujah. So, you, you have to be there. You have to be seen to be there. If the man is struggling with something, you need to provide, you need to lend a hand. He's struggling to make a decision. He's struggling to execute an action. You need to lend a hand. You need to rub minds together. You need to consult each other in decision making. Amen. Of course, the next point buttresses a number of the things that I've said already. And it says that you recognize that submission does not take away from your intelligence and capacity for sound judgment. All right, so remember my definition of submission. I said it is voluntary, willful, okay, um, 
acquiescence to the recognition of somebody else's authority. It does not mean inferiority. Okay, so when somebody then says that I am submissive to my husband, it doesn't mean that I bury and lose my capacity for sound judgment. But I learned very early in my marriage to listen to my wife and to consult her in many things. You know, um, I am, and this is not flattery, I am convinced that my wife is not in the auditorium, so don't tell her. Just let's keep this between us, right? I'm convinced that my wife is smarter than I am, right? Cleverer, smarter in several ways. Not in all ways, but in a lot of ways, right? So, um, a few times after we got married, in the first six months of our marriage, or nine months, right, we will try to make a decision and we'll have differences of opinions, yeah? And then, at least three out of five times, when I will choose to do the things exactly the way I wanted it, I will come back within a week or a few days to come and say, I'm sorry, it went wrong. Because it will, because it will almost definitely go wrong. And, and, it, and so very quickly, I learned what the Bible said. I mean, what the Bible says about two are better than one. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that I was stupid or that I am stupid. It just means that there is benefit in both of us trying to make a decision, contributing to the decision-making process. And so, so, again, it just clearly demonstrates that the woman is not an inferior species, such that you then don't have to involve her in decision-making. Very quickly in my life, I learned, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you observe these things, right? Um, I don't know how it is in the culture where you grew up, but when they would want to break bad news, yeah, um, in a family, and then they would then come and come and go and pack the woman aside, um, take the husband to one room. So let's assume that a child had an accident and died and they wanted to come and tell them. And then they would first tell a lie and say, okay, um, the head of the family wants to see you, has called you to come. And then they will go there and then they will take the woman to one corner, take the man to one corner, say, oh, look, what's going on? Or say, don't worry, everything is fine. And then break the news to the husband and then expect him to... And I, 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 at a point in my life, I came to realize, I mean, observing the dynamics between my parents... I came to realize that that sort of behavior was an insult to someone like my mom because she had the capacity to handle it. So why would you make, just make it look like this person is weak, inferior, we can't tell her, we will just, just, just dance around it, and she would then know about it three days or five days after my father had heard about whatever it was, you know. And then it just doesn't make sense. And so the woman needs to recognize, the men need to recognize that the submission does not take away from the woman's intelligence and capacity for sound judgment. And so, if there are areas of life where your wife clearly has better ability, either by professional training or just by wiring, better ability than you, then why don't you just let her do that part of the work of managing the home? Praise the Lord. All right. And so, women, also you need to understand that your submission to your husband is submission to Christ. Your submission to your husband is submission to Christ because that is what the Bible clearly teaches and expects us to do. And so instead of getting into a situation of altercation and fighting and fight for supremacy, right? So why don't you then go and talk to the man's boss, the one who gave him the job of leadership? Just pray about it. Okay? Instead of breaking down and packing out of the house and 
turning things upside down, you know. Just deal with it that way. Or seek counsel. Very easy to do. I mean, not easy in all circumstances, but it's pretty logical. Hallelujah. So everybody's very quiet this morning. I don't know whether it is that I am saying the right things or you guys are not. You don't agree with me or you are upset with me. Okay? Now, again, we need to understand that from a psychological point of view and from a wiring point of view, men interpret respect as love. So your respect, your deference to him, all right, in areas of leadership, just show. I mean, he receives it as love. And it's just wisdom a lot of time to allow, to allow that to run. I mean, there are very simple things, okay? Um, he gives an instruction to the children. You come, and they've told you what, they have, what their father has said to do, and you overturn it. You may have very good reason to say, look, okay, so daddy said, um, when, I think about five years ago, um, my, so my wife and I have two children. Um, about five years ago, we realized very quickly that they were they, they used to, a lot of times, try to outsmart us. So I would, I would get them from work, and as they come to greet me, they'll say, oh, hi, Daddy, you're welcome, and everything. Okay. I said, Daddy, can we do this? Can we watch TV? Or can we have a suite? Can we have Fanta? And I'll just say, okay, ah, yes, you, you may, you may, go ahead. And then I would, next, 30 seconds after, I'll hear them run in their mother's direction and say, Daddy said we can have it. Daddy said we can do it. So, I will then meet my wife and I say, oh, look, did you tell them to, to drink Fanta? I'll say, well, yes, they asked me. And I said, no, I told them already 10 minutes ago that they couldn't have it. I said, wow. So they did that several times. So one day, we called them and said, guys, come. When mommy says something, both of us have said it. When daddy says something, both of us have said it. So when they come and say, can I have a piece of chocolate? Have you asked your mommy? Yes. What did she say? Um, she said no at the time. I said, okay, so both of us have spoken. <laughs> Mommy, can we go next door um, to go and play? Have you asked your daddy? Um, yes. What did he say? He said we should finish our homework. Okay, yeah, so go and finish your homework and then you can do it. I mean, so those are little things that sort of demonstrate, you know, um, that role, that, that yielding of space, all right, um, and those, that mutual respect, all right, in the, in the marriage relationship, to both couples, yeah? I mean, to both parties in it. Amen. And so sometimes, you know, it's very clear that either the man or the woman has some shortcomings, right? In staying in the place or exercising effectively the role that God has marked and he marked for them in this administrative structure. So how do you want to deal with that? So the first thing you need to understand is this. Your spouse has been given to you, especially men, your spouse has been given to you as a help. So don't waste your help. Allow your spouse to support you. If you are obviously struggling, do not try to be the macho man. Ask for help. If you're struggling as a woman and buried under the weight of house, my own management, housekeeping and all of that, ask your husband for help. Okay? So yes, there are very clear administrative roles that we have been given. But again, if you're overwhelmed in the discharge of that role, don't crash, don't destroy the home by trying to do it all by yourself. Ask for help. Delegate. Cooperate with your partner. Enjoy the synthesis and the synergy of the fact that two are better than one. 
If your spouse has a clear strength in an area that is considered a responsibility according to the administrative structure, then ask for their help. So maximize the strength of your partner. Maximize the strength of your partner. In some homes, um, women are better managers of money. Okay? It is common sense to then say, all right, so let's work together. Yeah? Managing our finances in the home. Even though, yes, you are the, the Bible and God has assigned the responsibility for provision to you, then collaborate in the management of the resources. Hallelujah. I mean, so when I was, when I was growing up, um, very many times, I can remember countless times, okay? So my dad in his career and his work life um, got moved around a bit because he was in civil service, yeah? Um, and sometimes, some of the places that he was posted to um, where, where not, where cities or towns lesser, I mean, smaller in size than the ones that I grew up in. I grew up in Oshobo, right? And so it will be posted to some places that you will consider to be villages, and the cost of living in those places will be will be is lower. I mean, was lower than Oshobo, and the cost of buying things. So it was just common sense and good sound financial management that if they sold one bag of Gary. All right, at Ikpetumodu for 50 naira, and they sold it for 65 naira in Oshobo. That it made sense if he was living in Ikpetumodu Monday to Friday, that on his way home, he would then go to the market and buy the gari and bring it home. And I saw him do that countless number of times. All right, so again, that was this, the, an advantage that his circumstance bequeathed to him at the time. But if he had said, Look, it is my wife's responsibility to go to the market and do the shopping then he would realize that his money was finishing quicker than he should have. And it was a civil servant who didn't have a lot of money, had like five children, three, and maybe like seven other dependents to take care of. So, of course, he had to think of ways to, to manage his resources. So, again, leverage and maximize the strength of your partner. The next thing is to give room for growth to happen. People grow in their roles, in the roles that they've been assigned so if you got married six months ago, nine months ago, and your partner is still growing in the role that has been assigned to them, don't kill them as of that time. Don't compare them to your mother who has been running a family of 15 for 25 years. Don't compare them to your, to, don't compare his ability to provide to that of your uncle who has been rich since he was 17 and is now 53. Give this 28-year-old man room to grow. When he's 53 and he's not behaving like your uncle, then you can then kill him at that time. <laughs> Please don't kill anybody. Nobody's killing him. <laughs> Please don't say, Pastor you said we can kill. No, no, no. Thou shall not kill. Yeah? All right. <laughs> Amen. But at least you get my point. It is that allow room for growth. All right? And of course, in everything that you do, the love of Christ, the spirit of Christ must undergird everything. It must be evident that you are walking in love towards your spouse and your children. And so this morning, just remember the things that I've said. That we're looking at the, we've looked at the administrative structure of the way that God has designed for us to run our homes and that our families should operate. Amen. That's what we've looked at this morning. We've recognized the fact that the man must be submitted to Christ, the woman must be submitted to the man, and then the children must be submitted to their parents. 
And every one of us should and must acquire the skills to discharge our responsibilities and discharge them very effectively. And of course, if peradventure something has gone wrong in a family or things haven't been done in this exact order, then I'm going to ask you to do a few things. You need to sit down and have a crucial conversation. Pastor Godman talked about having crucial conversations a few weeks ago. And if you need help, you think you can't do it by yourself, then again, seek wise counsel. But be careful where you're seeking counsel from. In fact, if I were you, and I, if, you, if you happen to need to seek counsel, I would stay away from either of her families as much as possible. Because when your spouse has gotten better, you will forget, you will move on, and your family may not move on. They might not even forgive your spouse for it. Okay, so if you're struggling, then seek help. Sit down and have conversations, define boundaries, and do whatever else you need to do to make sure that your home succeeds, to ensure the sanctity of your home. Can we bow our heads to pray this morning? I'd like you to just commit the things that you have heard this morning to the hands of God. I'd like you to ask this morning that God gives you a home or he makes your home where this picture of order is established. I'd like you to ask this morning there's something specifically that you are struggling with. I'd like you to ask this morning that God gives you the grace in the name of Jesus. If there's a particular area where your spouse is struggling, if you're sitting with your spouse, I'd like you to just hold hands this morning. Even if you're fighting, if you fought on your way here or you've been fighting for one week, just hold hands this morning and pray for your spouse and ask that the Lord will give them the grace the wisdom, the understanding, the capacity to stand in the role that he has given them in the name of Jesus. There's a particular area where your spouse is failing. I want to just pray for them and ask that God strengthens them, that God strengthens them in the name of Jesus, that they will be the kind of spouse, the husband and the wife that he has called them to be in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And so, Father, this morning we come before you And we ask, Father, for every single home that is represented here this morning. We ask that your peace and your order would reign in the name of Jesus. We ask the Lord who will open the eyes of our understanding to walk in the reality of the wisdom that you have outlined for us in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there be any home under pressure because of a disalignment with order, we're asking this morning, we speak your peace into such a home in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father, that you bring the heart of humility, Lord, to both spouses to know what to do and to do the right things in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've heard us. In Jesus' name we have prayed.